Jonathan McReynolds with Mary Did You Know. I love the acoustic, you know, version of different worship songs. So pretty. And right now we're talking about Hanukkah. So that started last night. I know we're two days away from Christmas now. This year has just flown by. And sometimes (laughs) we can get so wrapped up with Christmas. We can get so wrapped up with other things that, you know, you you forget that there is significance as a Christian in these Jewish festivals, these Jewish holidays. And sometimes we just don't even know where to start. Like, where do you start reading? Where do you start finding this information? And so you really do a lot of studying to get information, to get insight. And then we share all of the Jewish holidays and festivals. When you come on air, we share them on the blog and now we share them on the More Music app. So it gives everyone access. You can go back and listen to this. Say you're on your way to work right now and you want to hear it, but you don't have time. You know, later today, check the blog and check the More Music app. Yeah, take a little bit of time for me to get them all up there, but hopefully I'll get all that done today. If all goes well, I'll get them all up there. You can reach back so you don't have to memorize everything. It's all written down. You don't have to <laughs> catch yeah. all the breaks. It's all there, too. You'll be able to go back and enjoy. We want you to have a Merry Christmas as well as a Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah was a time when Jesus was conceived. It was also the time when the wise men arrived in Bethlehem to visit and give their gifts to Jesus. Hanukkah is a gift-giving celebration. It was when Jesus literally was conceived when God gave his son to us and uh, he was uh, by nine months later, of course, born. It would have been Rosh Hashanah. It's not a Christmas time, but this time that coincides with Christmas is really, really important. So there's no reason to toss out Christmas just because it isn't the actual birth date of Jesus. It's actually the dates, at least, are very significant. There are some people who find it uh, a little bit offensive because of the history of it. it. It literally is a heathen festival. But again, these dates happen to coincide very perfectly with Hanukkah back in history in 4 B.C., 3 B.C., 2 B.C. All these times are significant for the birth or at least the conception and other events with Christ's life. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing to celebrate. And uh, since the world knows it as the day of Christ, I say we celebrate it mm. with even more excitement. But I do want to show you some things that you probably have never heard or even dug into. And you really wouldn't unless you go with us to Israel. And one of the things we got to do this year is we got to take everybody to the Bethlehem Fields, went to Bethlehem Ephrata area, which is by Rachel's tomb. And if you read the scriptures, this is the designated place for the birth of the Messiah. So the question that most people really never wrestle with is, why is he born at a tomb? Mm. You think about him obviously needing a, a tomb unusual. for himself. And yeah. So... It's Mm. it's an unusual shadow right there, but there's more to it even that. So whose tomb is it? It's Rachel's tomb. And I want you to go back in history with me a bit. So if you go to the burial site of all of the big names in Jewish history, Abraham, uh, Sarah, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, you should see Rachel right there, but you don't. Leah, his other, the second wife, the wife, the sister that he didn't want to marry, that he was given anyways, is married beside him. Rachel, meanwhile, is buried 14 miles away in Bethlehem, Afronta. So the question is, what's is that significant? Well, yeah, because the bones of Joseph were carried out of Egypt all around for 40 years so they could be buried there in Hebron. The the bones of Jacob, who died in Egypt, were brought by Joseph all the way. We're talking 250 miles so he could be born buried in, in Hebron. 
But Rachel dies 14 miles away, and she her bones are never moved. To this day, they're, they're buried 14 miles away. The husband who loved her and worked for 14 years to get her, who mm. treasured her, left her there. Why is the question. Now, if it didn't coincide with the birth of Jesus, it probably wouldn't be so significant. If there wasn't so many things going on there, it probably wouldn't even stand out. But So here's what the Bible says. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. That's Genesis 29, 20. And then he worked seven more. So he had Leah, he had Rachel, and this this unusual circumstance of her death. So um, we also have an, an, another unusual thing that goes with this is, you know, the Jews were taken into captivity. The whole people of Judah, they were carried away into Babylon. And that time, a new tradition happened. When they were carried away, they laid stones on Rachel's grave asking her to pray for them. Mm. Very similar to what the you, you see in the Catholic Church asking for Mary to intercede. So there's this very un, unusual dynamic there, too. So if you jump forward to Matthew 2, Herod put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Mm. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So what in the world? Why do we have Rachel inserted here in the, the in the killing of the children following the birth of Jesus? So it's an unusual story. So let me just take you back in history to, to walk you up through it. So what happens is Rachel and Jacob they're, and Leah and the whole family, they're leaving their, their father Laban and his land. They're coming back to their homeland. And in that moment, they're leaving secretly. Rachel steals the household idols that belonged to her father Laban. Well, eventually, and this is a short story, but Laban eventually catches them on the road. And he says this, and now you've surely gone before because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? He says this to Jacob. And Jacob says, hey, I didn't steal your gods. With whomever you find your gods, they shall not live now, that's a pretty tough phrase right there. They, In other words, whoever took them, they will die. That's his a, a curse spoken from his lips. But here's the deal. Rachel was the one who stole them. Put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. She said to her father, it's at her time of month. And so he wouldn't make her move and search. Fact is, she was pregnant with her last child, Benjamin. Uh, so it teaches us a lot of lessons. And number one is, how sure are you before you speak things out of your mouth like Jacob did? Uh, no was actually the truth. Secondly, what were these things? These were teraphim. These were mummified heads created by the Canaanites. What Rachel stole from her father Laban and sat on, they were considered magic, and the people would talk to them, and they would talk back to them. David's wife, Michael, had them, and Rachel obviously was still talking to these old, dead, gold-covered, mummified heads as if they were her gods. Even though she knew the living God, she was still interacting with them. Mm -hmm. So Rachel had them, and when she died, people started praying to her 
in the same way that they prayed to Mary. Mm. And God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel. And Jacob said to his household and all who are with him, Put away your foreign gods, all that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them from uh, under the terebinth tree, which was by Shechem. So that's a long, complicated story, but essentially... What we don't know is if Rachel ever gave over the, the the idols that she didn't admit to having. All we know is that they're now working their way towards Bethlehem Ephrata, and she dies there. And I'll tell you that story next. Ooh, that's a good teaser. Coming up, we're going to hear a word from our underwriters, but we want to shout out Eagle Ranch. They make life better for children and their families, and you do too when you support Eagle Ranch. And you may be in a season where God's calling you to be a house parent at Eagle Ranch. They give children a chance at childhood for the glory of God. And thank you for helping Eagle Ranch, located on 315 beautiful acres in Flowery Branch. They're celebrating 35 years in ministry. And again, their website, more information, is at eagleranch.org. Automation Direct would like...